0: I want to start out asking a quick question, you know, how many of you are ready for 2020 to, you know, be behind us? You know, normally by the time October rolls around and you're thinking, you know, how is it October? I can't believe it. Like, I wanted to do so much before the year was. And I think most people now are, like, thankful that it's already October because we're getting to the point now where 2020 is almost over. We can close the chapter on this crazy season of life and you know not get back to things as usual get to begin to discover what is our new normal and so you know i want to uh talk about that a little bit today you know one of the things i'm thankful for as we're beginning to walk out of this is is that the gym is finally open you know not that i've necessarily have gone that much i definitely need to go more uh but I'm I'm nonetheless going and, and you know, one of the things I like to do when I go to the gym is I like to wear my light city gear, my light city t shirts and really for the sense of, you know, should it happen that somebody asks me what it is or it sparks conversation and You know, I've been seeing this guy, you know, pre-COVID, you know, and he, you know, we kind of interacted a little bit and, you know, then I saw him again, you know, one of the first times that I was back at the gym and we started to talk and, you know, he knows that I pastor a church and, you know, he, he usually calls me something like preacher guy or something like that. And, you know, we, you know, we're talking a little bit and the first time that we came back to the gym and we're talking a little bit about God and about my relationship with God and why I believe in God. And, you know, he said this thing to me. He said, you know, I, you know, that's really cool that it works for you, preacher guy. You know, but, you know, I tried the Jesus thing and, and you know, it, it just didn't work for me. Like, I tried it. I, I tried to do what these people have told me to do, but it just didn't work. And so, you know, I, I asked him, you know, so like, okay, you know, guy who shall remain nameless for anonymity's sake. You know, what did you do? You know, you said you tried the Jesus thing. So, like, what was it that you did? And, you know, and he proceeds to tell me, he was like, you know, like, I went to church for almost two months straight. You know, two months straight. Like, can you believe it? I I tried God for a whole two months. And, you know, in the middle of those two months, it was like, you know, my girlfriend broke up with me. I I lost my job. You know, my plumbing backed up. And, you know, in the middle of trying God, it seemed like everything in my life just fell apart. And You know, I guess this message as I preach it this morning, this message is for people who are trying like this guy to be led by Jesus. Uh, But you know, things aren't necessarily going the way that you expected them to go. And I think sometimes this can be the challenge inside of our Christianity is that You know we come to God with an idea and we hear that God is mighty to save and God is mighty to lead and we hear these amazing concepts about God and and but you know I realize that the scripture is very clear when Jesus talks to us about this process of life that each of us are walking through I feel like this is very fitting for us as we're in the midst of a season of of real difficulty. Nobody really expected it. For a lot of people, you know, you've lost jobs, lost family members, our lives have been turned upside down. And and I realized that there's a lot of things that Jesus said, and then there's a lot of things that I want Jesus to say, but Jesus didn't actually say those things. Like for example, right, Jesus never said, Whoever does the will of my father won't leave their car windows open in the midst of a thunderstorm, right? She's never said that. You know, he, he never said, you know, if you lose your life for my sake, you will always look great in a swimsuit, right? He never said, seek first the kingdom of God and you'll never get a zit before you go to prom, right? Jesus never promised us those things. He never promised us that we'd always be wealthy. He never promised us that we'd always be thin. He didn't promise us that you know, we're in the middle of our favorite show on Netflix, that it won't just start buffering out of the middle of nowhere. He doesn't promise us that we'll always keep our hair. He doesn't always promise us that every girl that we ask out on a date is going to say yes. He doesn't promise us that we're never going to get zits before that really important photo shoot or that our spouse isn't going to get a headache when we're really, really in the mood. Right? You know what I'm talking about. Jesus, he never promises us those things. In fact, it's a little bit challenging is that Jesus really promises us the opposite he we talked about this a little bit today but he tells us that jesus says that life on earth is is going to have trouble and i mean if there's anybody in the world who shouldn't have had trouble it would have been jesus right jesus was perfect he was god sent down to earth he was full of grace and truth there was no deception in him and and so if anybody should have experienced a perfect life I mean, man, it was Jesus. But if you look at Jesus' life, that really wasn't his story. Right? I mean, we could only assume that at a very young age, Jesus' dad dies. You know, then he finally starts his ministry, and he goes to his townsfolk, who really should be the people who love him the most. We realize he's rejected by the very people in his town fast forward a few years and in his moment of need, the moment before his crucifixion, his best friends on the whole earth, the people who he'd been with day in and day out for three years, they betray him and and then to top it all off, the very people that he came to save, those were the people that put Jesus on the cross. Right, and then Jesus has this thing and he says, you know, let me lead you. And I'm like, whoa, what? Like, I, you know, Jesus, I'm not really sure if this is the kind of thing that you're doing. I'm not overly sure that, you know, like, I, 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 yeah, well, let me, let me get back to you, Jesus. You know, like, I get it, but I don't know that I want to get it. And And I mean, we see this in John chapter 16. And the passage of scripture that we're going to read is, is really the last words that Jesus has with his disciples before he's really gonna send them out on their mission. How many of you know that the last words that Jesus would, the last words that anybody would say are typically the most important ones. They are meant to prepare us for what are you gonna experience out there and that you don't get knocked down or beat up, but that you are able to complete the mission. and this is what Jesus says in John 16, verse 20. He says "As Verily I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Now we're going to do a little bit of a, a thing here in that Jesus uses this word or this phrase, the world or world, he uses it 19 times in this upcoming speech, upcoming prayer that he's about to give. And, He's essentially going to contrast his ways and the world's ways. He's, he's going to say things like, the peace that I give you, I don't give as the world gives. He's going to tell us that he came from the Father to the world and that he's going to leave the world and he's going to go to the Father. He's going to tell you that, you know, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me First, he, he tells you that we don't want to belong to this world, that we've been, we've been chosen out of this world. And he's, he's going to remind us essentially why is it that the world hates us? He's going to close it up and cap it off by praying this prayer of, you know, don't take them out of the world, but protect them because we are in the world. But how many of you know we are not of the world? verse 20, he, he goes on to say this. He says, Verily I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Hold on, it gets worse. You will grieve, but... How many of you would say but? Maybe you could type that in the chat right now. But. How many of you know Jesus? Sometimes the news seems bleak, but there's always a but, and the good news is about to come. He says, but your grief will turn into joy and then verse 21 comes and he's going to give us a little bit of an analogy for us to understand how can my grief turn to joy i mean you know that's not a popular thing that happens in our world today typically grief begets more grief but jesus is letting us know that there's a there's a difference there's something different when you carry when you live in him Rather than when you live in the world. And he says in verse 21, he gives us this analogy. He says, A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, come on, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Now, I am not a mother. Thank God, I will never have to be a mother. The mothers that I do talk to who have gone through this is they go through anguish. My mom was in labor with me, I think for 24 hours, right? I feel like the rest of my life essentially is just trying to make up for the fact of how bad I was at the very beginning. But she was in 24 hours of labor. But you know what I realize is that part of the story as she recounts my birth. That's a very small portion of the story in comparison to her talking about the joy of her child being born. Why is that? Because the pain, as bad as the pain could be, when you're on the other side of the pain, you look back and you say that pain, because of how great it is now, that pain was actually worth it. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus tells us that our pain turns to joy, when we walk with Jesus. And so this is what verse 22 says. It says, so with you, now is your time of grief. And can I say that to some of you out there, right? Now is your time of grief. You've been going through You've been going through challenges and hardships and difficulties and the unexpected or the unexplainable has happened to you. And and Jesus is letting us know, hey, I understand what you're going through. He says, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Come on, right? Isn't that the truth about what it looks like to live in Christ that although we can be going through the most difficult seasons of our life because we remain in him, we realize he is and has always been mighty to lead us through the most difficult times into the most beautiful of expanses because we choose to live our life and walk with him. Then he goes on in verse 33 to tell us this. He says, I've told you these things So really what Jesus is doing is he's letting us know, hey, I'm telling you these things because maybe right now you don't really get it. But I'm telling you these things so that in me, Uh, This is very important. In me. Maybe you could type that in the chat. Maybe you could nudge someone in Buffalo and you say in me, right? In Christ, right? In Jesus, in the will of God, in our ability, in our endeavors to follow after him. Not in the world and not in our emotions and not what seems right to us. But when we're in him, he says, you may have peace when not in the sweet by and by not when we get to heaven he says you will have peace in this world this is the promise of christ that even though the world around us is in chaos in pain in difficulty in sorrow in confusion scripture says we may have peace right now again it's important for us to understand right what Jesus said versus what Jesus didn't say, right? Like he didn't say like, oh man, you got this, right? He didn't say like, you're gonna crush it. He didn't say like, you know, you go girl, right? This isn't what Jesus says, right? He doesn't let us know that everything is gonna be okay. He he doesn't say, you know, when it's Christmas time and everybody's rushing, you're gonna get the best parking spot. He doesn't promise us that we're never gonna lose our Wi-Fi connection. He doesn't promise us that our plumbing is never gonna back up. He doesn't promise us that you're girlfriend isn't going to break up with you or that you're never going to. This is not what Jesus says. What Jesus says is while you're going through the middle of it, come on, somebody needs to hear that this morning. While you're going through the middle of it, you can have peace. I mean, John 16, like I said in the beginning, tells us exactly what Jesus says. He says, in this world. The, I mean, it's real simple. You know, we ask the question sometimes, why do good things happen to bad people, and why do bad things happen to good people? And we say, you know, how does suffering, and how, does, how can God allow all the children, and all the things, and all the stuff, and all the craziness that's happening in our world right now? It's happening because we live in a fallen, broken world, and, and that's why Jesus says, listen, if you're trying to get through life and skate by with nothing happening, then you're probably means that you're just not doing anything because Jesus promises us that in this world you will have trouble. And I mean, I'm, I'm challenged by this at times. And, you know, I'm sure that some of you right now, you're feeling the urge to just, you know, switch to another stream. And, you know, because here's the reality of what scripture tells us, that pain is a promise. Struggle is certain that suffering in this world is inevitable. But Jesus says, listen, follow me, remain in me, let me lead you. And even though everybody else is experiencing these things, you will have joy. And I I just want to say, welcome to Light City, where we are here to help you feel good about yourself in the midst of this. But I've realized something that some of us are in the middle of a difficult season. You feel left out you feel lonely you feel overlooked you feel rejected you feel all alone you know you have lost your confidence in the world and the systems that have been in place in this world and some of you are battling depression some of you are experiencing anxiety that you've, like you've never experienced before. Some of you have got some of the worst news that maybe a family member has passed away. Maybe you're in the midst of a financial struggle. Maybe you're in the middle of a health challenge yourself. Maybe the relationship with your kids are just absolutely in shambles and maybe the pressure feels unbearable that there's 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 more that's happening to you than is humanly possible even to overcome. You feel afraid, you're hurting, You're overwhelmed and you feel like no one can understand what you're going through. And in the midst of it so often, we cry out wondering, God, where are you? You know, I'm trying to follow after you, but it seems like all I have is pain. Now, I've realized something that if pain is a promise... There must be a purpose to the pain come on if pain is a promise how many of you know the one undeniable truth that we know is god is good scripture tells us he'll never let anything come on us that would have the ability to overtake us he is good and so if he allows pain there must be a purpose to pain I mean, we see it in one of the most famous Psalms in the Old Testament that David writes about this concept of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. He says that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what, I fear no evil. I fear no evil, why? Because I'm so strong in myself, because I'm so good at making everything work. He says, no, I fear no evil because you are with me. You're with me in the midst of trouble. You're with me in the midst of difficulty. And so I've realized something. Pain has a purpose. And there's two things mainly I would say. Obviously, this is not an exhaustive list, but I would say that pain does two things. That the troubles, the trials, the hardships, the challenges, the difficulties that you may be facing right now. I'm going to tell you there is a purpose for those things in your life. That if you will let them mold you and shape you instead of destroy you they will actually make you into something better than worse and this is what scripture tells us is that i believe the first thing that pain comes to do is pain comes to prove your faith comes to prove your faith comes to reveal the depth of your belief in god it comes to reveal the depth of your trust. It comes to reveal the depth of the intimacy that you have with God. And we see that even in the life of Peter. One of the the letters that Peter wrote, you know, we're gonna read 1 Peter 1 verse 6, but you've got to remember that Peter is writing this in a period of time where everything isn't good, right? How many of you know it's easy to talk about overcoming, it's easier to talk about having joy in the midst of hardships, when everything in your life is going good, right? When your life isn't so good, it's really hard to see the goodness of the difficulty. But Peter writes this epistle, and let me give you a little bit of understanding of the, 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 the life that Peter was living, the culture he was living in, is that Peter and people who were following Jesus, this would have been the year like 60 to 65 AD under Emperor Nero is they were, Christians were being persecuted like worse than animals. In fact, some of the things that Emperor Nero would do is, is he would you know, he would, you know, kill an animal, let's say like a deer, and he would skin the animal, okay? This was happening to Christians while Paul is about to write what I'm about to read. He would kill an animal, let's say a deer, and he would skin the deer, okay? He would take the skin of the deer and he would wrap Christians in the skins of a deer or an animal, tie them up, and then release wild dogs in order to eat them. Okay, if that's not crazy, here's another thing that he would do. One of the things that was said about Emperor Nero was he loved to have parties. Okay, great, awesome guy. Except for the fact that the way that he would light his parties is that he would capture Christians, he would dip them in wax, tie them to trees, and light them on fire so they would slowly burn to death and give light to his parties. He would literally entertain his guests to the screams of Christians. Okay, so this is what's happening in Paul's world, right? Or or Peter's world. And and in 1 Peter 1 to 6, he says this. So be truly glad Right? How many of you, if this was the things that were happening to you, that this is how you would start your letter out to other Christians? He says, so be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead. Come on, this is speaking to us about the fact of we can't get stuck in the middle of our problems. That sometimes if your focus is on your problem rather than the God who you believe is gonna deliver you from the problem, it's easy to get stuck in the problem and make the problem significantly worse because we're stuck there. He says this, there's wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. But then what? He qualifies this. He tells us these trials will show that your faith is genuine. So he's letting us know that trials, hardships, difficulties, what you're going through right now, what it's doing in you is it's proving that your faith is genuine. You know what I've realized is that if there's such a thing as a genuine faith, there must also be something called a counterfeit faith. And, and I think honestly that this counterfeit faith is one of the biggest problems in our generation that we have a whole bunch of people coming to church, but there's no roots. There's no depth to their Christianity. And, And the way that I know this is this was me for the majority of my life. You know, I was great at church on the outside, Right? I was great. I knew the cues. I knew when to raise my hands. You know, when the chorus just bumps, I knew that was the moment your throat. I knew how to do the things and pray and prophesy. And I knew how to do all the right stuff, the amen brothers. But the truth was, it was, looked so good on the outside, but there was no real depth on the inside. You know, I, I hear this all the time. It's, one of the weird things about being a pastor is, it's like as soon as you tell people that you are a pastor, people have this strange response that they feel like they need to tell you their deepest, darkest, most horrible secrets, right? I can remember one time I went to go pick up Takeout and I saw somebody who, was, who went to our church but had it in a little while, and they're like, you know, hey, like, oh, this is so crazy, like seeing you here, and you know, they're trying to tell me, you know, I, I, I haven't been in a couple weeks, and then I think they realize that I knew that they was longer, and they're like, no, 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 I lied, I haven't been there in a couple months, and they're like, uh, that's a lie, I haven't been there in a couple of years, and you know, they're telling me all these things, and then they go into this spot of, you know, trying to justify, you know, well, I had school and I got busy, and then I had the school loans, and then because I had to get the school loans, I had to go to work, and then I had to get a car, and then my car broke down, and then I was so upset that my car broke down that I got into parting, and I'm a addicted to crack cocaine. And it was like, whoa, man, like, I'm just trying to pick up my sandwich, right? Like, right. But this happens so often is that instead of taking our pain to God, we leave God and focus on our pain. And this is what happens, right? Jesus talks about this in the famous passage of scripture that my dad talks about all the time. Right? Jesus calls it the parable of the sower who sows a seed. And, you know, some of it falls on thorny ground and it's choked out by the worries and the cares of life. Some of it falls in shallow soil. And when trouble or persecution comes, we quickly fall away. And, you know, we have this, you know, hear about things all the time, you know, and I'm guilty of it myself. You know, like, I got a migraine. And it's like, God, where are you? You know, it's like you get rejected from the school that you want to go to and you're like, God, are, are you even real? Like, is anybody out there, right? Somebody dies of cancer and we feel this overwhelming pressure that we can't trust God. But can I tell you something? Trouble is meant to prove your faith, not pull you away from it. What? Because the scripture tells us that in this broken world, listen, trouble is inevitable but in Christ. Come on, in Christ. Come on, not because we fall on our sword, not because we feel bad about ourselves, not because we worry or wonder, but because we decide to remain in Christ. When I'm in Christ, he turns my trouble into triumph. I heard somebody say this one time, a faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted come on triumph doesn't mean that i'm going to live free from trouble it doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy for me or it's all going to be all right too many people think that challenges and difficulties in their life think that god is vanished he's somewhere gone that they've missed it but realize that triumph simply means that in the middle of trouble i have a god that I can trust. That I know where joy comes from. That even in the midst of things, maybe in your life right now, you're facing something where you feel like, I don't understand. How did this happen? I thought I did everything right. I thought I did everything. I I thought I covered all the bases. How does something like this happen? But in the midst of our doubting, we're able to stand back and say, but God, I trust your leading. I think this is what Paul means when he makes this statement. I reference this all the time, but Paul says, he says, I want to know you. He's saying this, making this prayer, this declaration about Christ. He says, I want to know you. And You know, the first part of his prayer, this statement, I can understand. He says, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. And honestly, if it was me, truthfully, I probably would have stopped there. But he doesn't, he takes it a step further and he says, I don't wanna just know you in the good times. I don't, I don't wanna just know you as the guy who overcomes and triumphs. He says, I wanna know you in the fellowship of your suffering. You know, I've realized something is that there is a Jesus that we only meet when we invite him into our challenges. That when things are going good, I don't need Jesus to be certain things. I got those things covered. But what Paul is saying is, I want to know everything about you. And so in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of my trouble, in the midst of my problems, instead of running from you, I'm going to run to you because I want to know you as the God who turns my trouble into triumph. Can I tell you something, even in my own life, some of the hardest seasons that I have gone through, some of the most difficult and trying and challenging moments of news and issues and problems that when I finally got out of my self-pity and ran to God, these are some of the moments of my life where I was the closest to God because I realized something if it's good, if it's bad if it's up and it's down, it doesn't make a difference, He is good all the time And I want to know him in this moment. The second thing it does, it proves your faith. The second thing is it prepares, it prepares you for purpose. So many of us, you know, we pray the prayers all the time. And I definitely, understanding the process, I think I pray these prayers less, maybe than I used to pray. You know, like, When I was young, I would pray all the time. You know, God, use me. I wanna be used by you. We pray things like, God, burn out of me all the things that aren't pleasing to you. God, I wanna grow. God, I wanna be strong. God, I wanna be prepared for purpose. But then I realized something. Ease and comfort never make you strong. Right? Like, I would love it if God would prepare me for the great purpose! Well, I sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix. But I realize ease and comfort don't make me strong. I mean, we see the analogy in the gym, a very physical example of, I believe, a spiritual principle. That if you go to the gym and you you come to me and you say, Alex, I want to get stronger. Can I tell you something? You don't get stronger by watching other people work out. You don't get stronger just by being in the gym and sitting on a chair texting. Listen, I'm going to change some of your workout plans real quick. You get stronger by allowing your body to come under some resistance. You get a little bit sore. You get a little bit uncomfortable. And the result of it is strength. And this is what James says in James chapter 1. He says, consider it pure joy my brothers and sisters whenever you face trials of many kinds. How many of you know he didn't say if you face trial, he says when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverant, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, mature and complete, not lacking anything, right? How many of you have prayed that prayer? God, I want to be lacking nothing. I want to live in the lavishness of your grace. And James says it like this. This is how you get it. He says the testing of your faith. Come on, this challenge right now. The challenge that you're facing right now, sitting in this room, in this building, sitting in your home, sitting in Buffalo, this challenge, this thing you're going through right now, the thing that you feel like you don't know, the thing that's making you feel like you wanna question God's goodness, this thing right now has not come to take you out. This thing has come to take you higher. And this is what James says. He says, this, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And it's when we let this work, let, as we dig into the struggle, as I walk through the challenge with God, that it's this, what it does on the inside of me. This is the thing that produces the maturity to live a life where we're lacking nothing. You know, I've come to the point truthfully in my life, and I've gone through some stuff, but I've realized that I don't see the point of being discouraged. I don't see the point of being overwhelmed. I don't see the point of being afraid. I mean, not that I don't experience those emotions sometimes, but it's pretty easy to get out of them because I've realized something that could it be that God's preparation has come packaged as pain? Could it be that the very thing that I'm believing God for has come, but it's in a package that I don't necessarily want to sign for? Right? But I realized something is that isn't this the story of every great person we look at in the Bible? Right? We talk about Joseph and he saves the nation of Israel. But what prepared him for that? He was rejected by his family, he was thrown into a pit to die. And then instead of dying, they figured we could make a little bit of money off of this guy, so they sold him into slavery. He was falsely accused. What about David? You know, David defeats Goliath. He becomes the eventual lion that our messianic Jesus would come out of. And what prepared him to defeat Goliath? It was his battle with the lion and the bear. We see Peter as he stands up in the book of Acts. He preaches this amazing, the first message of the New Testament church. And what prepared him for this, what prepared him for this struggle, the challenge he was gonna go through to be that rock for the church. It was the amount of times that he fails Jesus. Can I tell you something I've learned is that trials won't weaken your faith. Can I tell you something even beyond that? Trials don't mean that you have weak faith. Going through difficulty doesn't mean that you just need to get better or be better. Can I tell you, trials come. James tells us, the brother of Jesus tells us, this trial has come because God is seeing that where you are is so strong and you're ready to graduate to the next level. Trials come to make you stronger. Come on, tell yourself that right now, right? It's not just pain, this is preparation. Come on, type that in the chats. This isn't just pain. This is preparation. Let me tell you something. What you're going through right now, it's not just pain. It's God preparing you for the amazing destiny that he has to come. Come on, we got to tell ourselves that it's not about what's happening to us. Mind you, I'm not trying to diminish or belittle anything that anybody is going through, because trust me, I understand that there's many things that I have not experienced. I'm not diminishing what you're going through. But I've realized something. Focusing on what's happening to us makes us weaker. Focusing on what God is doing in us makes us stronger. Come on, it's like that perspective, right? You weren't turned down. No, God is using this moment to toughen us up, right? That offense that we're feeling on the inside of us, right? God is gonna use that in order to purify our heart and and make our motives and our expression more pure towards him, right? The loneliness that we're feeling is God trusts, is teaching us how to trust God like we never have trusted God before, right? That betrayal that you experienced, that person who wrecked your life, right? They're here to just teach us how to have a greater capacity to, to love that setback is simply a setup for God to show up and show off on your behalf. Can I tell you something? You may be sitting here today, and I know some of your stories, and you are wrecked with pain, but I can promise you something there is purpose in your pain. And listen, I know it's easy for me to say that. I know it's easy for us to talk through these things. And I know that there's a tendency for us to sit back and say, yeah, Alex, that's a great word, but you don't, you don't know what I'm going through. You know, it's easy for you to say because you've never gone through what I've gone through. And we see this, that Jesus contrasts two things. In the world and in Christ. He says this, you know, in the world, you're you're gonna have some trouble. Stuff is gonna happen, challenges are gonna happen. Things are gonna go ways that you'd never dreamed they could go. But he finishes that. He says this, take heart. it may be bad right now for you you may be feeling like oh there's no way that I can get through this and Jesus says take heart for I have overcome the world come on he's telling us take heart because I not you not in your ability to make things happen not in your ability to make things work he says, take heart because I, Jesus, I am mighty. You may be experiencing heartache. You may be experiencing pain, rejection. I mean, just last night, you may have cried yourself to sleep, but Jesus says, in me, with him and talk with him and flow with him and move with him when I'm led by him like they would say the old rabbis may the dust of your rabbi be caught on your clothes and I'm in him and I let him lead me and even though it's difficult and even though it's troubling I'm like David and I say I'm gonna walk with you because I know I know it's in you that I have can I tell you something? This is why I could be hurting on the inside, and I could smile on the outside, and I could preach with a fierce faith, because trials, they've come to try to take me out. But instead of taking me out, these trials have proved my faith. And look, situations, they come and they knock me down, and there's times I gotta phone a friend and call my parents or a mentor or someone in my life, but I've realized something, that I'm not staying down. And look, you may be down, you may feel down. It may have been a struggle for you to just turn the stream on because you don't even know what you believe anymore. But can I tell you something? If you will determined to not be knocked down, you'll come back with deeper roots, stronger roots. And this is what Jesus says in 1 John 5 4. For everyone born of God, come on, this is who we are. We've been born of God. He says this overcomes the world. Can I tell you, you were born to win this fight. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Can I tell you the answer that you're searching for isn't running from God. The answer you're searching for is running to him in this world you will have trouble but take heart for I have overcome the world if you'd let me I'd love to take a minute to pray for each of you wherever you are if you're in Buffalo if you're sitting at home right now I'm going to ask if you feel like this is you you're hurting, you are lonely, you're feeling broken and you feel like, I just need a dose of faith. I'm gonna ask if that's you, if you're in Buffalo, I'm gonna ask you to just slip up your hand really quick because we'd love to have some of our leaders get around you and pray for you. And If this is you at home, we're just gonna believe that there's no distance in the spirit and we're all together. But if that's you, I'm gonna count to three, one, two, three. I just want you to raise your hand real quick. Something that happens inside when we make a statement outside. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, you said that you are close to the broken. And not with elegant words. I'm simply asking that you would be close to us now. there's nothing else that we need in this world we don't even need answers we just need you maybe you've made your way to the stream right now maybe you're sitting in buffalo and you're saying this is me this is my life It's, it's been problem after problem and heartache after heartache issue after issue and you're saying I feel so lost, so alone. My life is in so much chaos. I need this Jesus. I'm going to invite you in our Buffalo camps. if you repeat this prayer after me. If you're online, the scripture tells us that if we simply confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world who came to save us and set us free from our sins, that we would be saved. I'm going to ask you on the count of three to repeat this prayer after me. One, two, three. Say, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, sent from heaven to be my Savior, that you died on the cross to take my punishment and my sin so that I could live in your righteousness. Fill my heart fill my life, and lead me in the ways of righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen.